It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles, and also follow the show on Twitter at LO Thunder Pod. You can also call into the show if you want to leave a voicemail and have your thoughts heard that way. On today's show, we're going to talk about the NBA setting a date for the NBA draft. The Milwaukee Bucks pulling out of the CP3 sweepstakes, college hoops returning, what that means for Oklahoma City, and we're going to continue the Reddit mailbag. That number to call if you want to leave a voicemail, 405-362-7128. So we'll dive in with the NBA setting an NBA draft, and until the draft actually happens, I'm not going to confirm it, but it has been confirmed by Woj, so it's about as official as it can get until we're actually at this November 18th date. Now, prospects will have a pro day video. Uh, I believe that'll be due on September 21st. They'll just record themselves basically doing the combine, just shooting uh, and and all the other stuff you see at the combine. They're going to record that, I guess, on their own time or in individual markets with smaller groups than a normal combine uh, and be able to do it that way. Medical exams will happen through, I guess, NBA licensed people in the in these markets. I'm not quite sure the medical exams will happen, but they will happen. So teams will still have the medicals. They'll still get video of guys going through workouts like they do at the Combine. And they'll conduct virtual interviews. And to me, the virtual interview part was the most interesting part as it relates to Oklahoma City. And I'll tell you why. This could lead to more leaks and more information getting out there. It sounds crazy, and I'm not talking about some random fan hacking into Sam Presti's Microsoft team. I'm saying just people taking pictures of themselves talking to Sam Presti. If it's face-to-face, you're not doing that. But when you're doing it virtually, and you know your dad or your mom or your sister or your cousins in the background, maybe they sneak a picture saying, hey, look look at this, this is really cool. You know, My whoever is on a virtual interview with Sam Presti. Now that probably won't happen. But it's the best chance we have being virtual because Sam Presti, as you know, keeps everything so close to the vest uh, of what they're going to do in the draft. So maybe you get more leaks this way, and that's not just specific to Oklahoma City, but from anyone, uh, maybe you get a couple screenshots or or something like that that you wouldn't otherwise have if they were meeting face-to-face. You're not going to pull your camera out face-to-face and take a picture of Sam Presti and put it on Instagram. You're just not. And you're probably not going to do that anyway, you know, even in this virtual setting. But again, it's just the... The smallest sliver of hope to get more information around Oklahoma City. As you know, it's hard to come by information regarding the Thunder. So the pre-draft stuff's great. I think that, you know, getting 
most, if not all, of this season completed for college basketball last year. And, and really, from a scouting standpoint, it's almost good that you didn't have March Madness. Because every year, people fall in love with the March Madness star. They fall in love with someone who puts together a two or three good game stretch. It's a buzzer beater to send Leola to the Final Four, or does something miraculous in Georgetown, or something like that. You fall in love with that guy because he had a good two two game stretch, and you disregard the 20, 30 games of film he's put on he's put out there that shows he's not really an NFL talent. He's not really excuse me, he's not really an NBA talent, not really an NBA player. So not having March Madness is actually not a detriment to the NBA. Now, for fans, most of you have not watched these college kids because you're not going to watch them in the regular season. And you were waiting for that March Madness to get your first look at a Anthony Edwards, at a Nico Mannion at someone like that. So that sucks for fans, but it's actually good for teams. Believe it or not, they do have these love affairs with March Madness guys like the rest of us, especially ownership groups. They fall in love. And that wouldn't have happened in Oklahoma City because Sam Presti calls the shots and he's not going to be wooed by that stuff. But for other markets, it's good. They did not have March Madness to fall in love with. So I think you have enough on tape right now with all these guys to make your decision to understand who you want, especially if you're going to get the medical information from a trusted NBA source through this pre-draft process. The medicals, the interview, and what you've seen in college is the most important parts. Guy can shoot lights out in an empty gym in the combine. That's great. Never really elevate someone's draft stock, though, because shooting lights out in the empty gym, you, you should be able to do that. You should be able to do that. Steven Adams can shoot 35%. In an, open, in an open, empty gym from three. He's not going to do that in the NBA, though, in, in an NBA contest. But we see videos every single year of him knocking down threes. Every single training camp, it's like clockwork. The day after media days, the Thunder social media team is going to post a video of Steven Adams hitting a, a three at the, at the break of the three-point line. Every single time. Mark it down. That does not translate into the game, though. So the combine doesn't really affect things in the NBA as much as it does in the NFL. But you've gotten enough to this point that I feel comfortable making a selection. I, I don't feel bad for teams at the top in the sense of they don't have enough information. I feel bad for the teams at the top in the sense of it's not a top-heavy draft class. It's just not. There's not a lot of franchise changers in this draft. There's not really a for-sure franchise changer anywhere in this draft. I mean, even the number one pick is going to be a question mark. Personally, I'm in with Anthony Edwards. I think Anthony Edwards could be really good. Can he be Luca Trey good? Zion good? I don't think so. But he has the best shot at it, in my opinion. For you, listening to this podcast, you could be screaming at me right now, talking about LaMelo Ball. That's what makes it so tough. So I feel bad for top teams in that instance. But if you botch this pick, if you're the Timberwolves, if you're the Thunder, if you're whoever, and you botch this pick, it can't be because of COVID. Because you've gotten the entire college basketball season. You've gotten everything you need to see on film. You're going to have this pro day video. You're going to have the virtual meetings. You've gotten it. You've got to make the right pick now. And then the Milwaukee Bucks have said that they're not interested in Chris Paul anymore. That's kind of been a report floating around there. So they're not really going to make a push for Chris Paul. And I think that this signals maybe the market for Chris Paul is too high right now for the Bucks. Because if you're the Bucks, you already have an awkward package, the most awkward package of any team floated around right now. We talked about it a couple of days ago. Do the Bucks really want to include Dante DiVincenzo in a future first-round pick 
for Chris Paul, who's under a massive contract, who if this pairing doesn't work out with Giannis and Giannis leaves, you're just stuck with. And you have no direction, you have no Dante DiVincenzo, and you have no future first-round pick. I don't think that they're going to want to do that, although Chris Paul's the best player available. So if you're going to tell Giannis that you want to improve the team, you should look at the best player available. But I do understand from their ownership group, look, this is this is a tough sell. Without the guaranteed extension for Giannis, this is a tough sell to trade for Chris Paul. Because it's an awkward fit in terms of the package you have to bring to Sam Presti to get this pulled off. And what if Chris Paul regresses? What if you have to keep that contract and what do you have to do that without Giannis? What if you have to do that with no Giannis? Now, I hope that Chris Paul doesn't regress. I think what he did in Oklahoma City this year is sustainable for the, for the next couple of years of this, of this contract. But I understand the concerns if you're Milwaukee. And before I get to your Reddit questions, I do want to say that College Hoops is back. November start date like normal, but but kind of pushed back to mid-November instead of starting like the first week of November. Uh, and that's good for Oklahoma City. As you know, we all expect this team to tank and to try to get a high pick. And as I was saying before, you're going to want this season to get some things on film. And most importantly for Oklahoma City as, as the organization and for Oklahoma as a state, you're going to get to watch Cade Cunningham. Cade Cunningham at Oklahoma State is going to be huge. It's going to be fun to watch him. I was I hoped that Oklahoma State would not get hit with that postseason ban. I was hoping the NCAA could, NCAA could reverse course on that and could change their their mind on banning Oklahoma State from the postseason because I thought it would be so fun to watch Kay Cunningham in that March Madness tournament. But nonetheless, it doesn't look like that'll be the case. I haven't heard much about that situation anyway. But we do get to watch Cade Cunningham. And since this team's going to tank, I will be spending a lot of time talking college hoops, watching college hoops. And before the season starts, we will have a whole podcast, maybe a whole week of podcasts, since the NBA will not be back yet by mid-November, talking about guys you need to check out. While you're waiting for the NBA to return, check out Cade Cunningham, check out some other guys inside the college basketball scene. We'll talk all about that. I cannot wait to dive into the draft because the draft is already my favorite stuff to, to look at. Almost in every sport, but especially NBA. The NBA is a, is a great time looking into the draft. And now that gets heightened by the thunder picking at the top. I cannot wait. I also cannot wait for you to hear some of these amazing Reddit questions we have after the break. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So I did want to continue the Reddit mailbag because there are so many great questions and I just cannot thank you guys enough for getting involved. This is Locked On Thunder. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LO Thunder Pod. I've said all along since taking over in May that I wanted to get people listening more involved in the show. That's something I think has been lacking before and I want to change that because you guys are truly what makes this show great. I mean, we got the pot of the week award for the lockdown podcast network this week. We've gotten, you know, climbing up the Apple podcast charts. We, we've done a lot of things since May that is only and totally attributed to you listening. So I want to get you more involved 
and I'm doing that with these voicemail episodes and this Reddit episode. So from Reddit, the first question is, thoughts on keeping Dennis Schroeder even if Oklahoma City decides to trade Chris Paul and, of course, losing Gallo, whether that's via free agency or just a sign-in trade, which the Thunder would hope for, uh, getting a sign-in trade with Gallo done. Uh, he could be good for the young guys, and he could have a, a good impact on them being a playmaker to set them up. And that's a good point. Uh, he's 27 years old right now, Dennis says. His expiring deal does add value on top of what I think should have been a six-man-of-the-year campaign for him. I think that everyone kind of agrees he got robbed of that six-man-of-the-year award. At 27 years old, with an expiring deal, which... The expiring deals in the NBA are always a goldmine. It's always so valuable to have expiring deals, but that gets heightened this year with the uncertainty around Paul George and Kawhi, with the uncertainty around Giannis Antetokounmpo, with the uncertainty that you have around the NBA. Teams are going to want to get involved this summer, and they need to take back money that is going to come off the books this summer. They need to trade you their long-term deals in return for your expiring deals, and they'll give you assets to do so. And the Thunder are not going to be involved in the free agency next summer. They're probably not going to be involved in any free agency as a small market team. That's just the bottom line. They're going to need to draft their next Russell Westbrook, their next Kevin Durant. They're not going to be able to sign those type of guys. So for the Thunder, you trade the expiring deal of Dennis and Steven Adams, and you trade Chris Paul, and you're able to allow other teams to be players in this market while capitalizing off of that and getting assets for it. For example, with Giannis, think about all of the teams you've heard talk about Giannis. Golden State, Miami, Toronto, Dallas. Think about that. We haven't even gotten to the to the apex of the Giannis conversation, and we have that many teams vying for Giannis's services, and they're all pretty legitimate. Apparently, he really likes Golden State. He likes Dallas as a city. Would he want to join in with Luka and KP? Miami, of course, is always going to be in the mix for a big name. Toronto. Masai Ujiri and what they're doing up there in Toronto would fit for Giannis. And then the surprise teams, the mystery teams that come up from all this. Teams that want to be a player. Many teams are going to feel like they have a shot for Giannis or Kawhi or Paul George or any of these guys coming up in 2021. So they're going to want the expiring deals. So that adds more value to Dennis Schroeder, who who has played himself into a valuable piece for any team. He's a winning player now. He has a different reputation than what you got him for, for Carmelo Anthony. He has a different reputation as a whole. Will his value ever get higher than it is right now? Even if you bring him back, in the sense of you, he is on your roster opening day. You have not traded him yet. Even if he's your starting point guard on a tanking team and performs very well, does that change his value? Does that make him a better asset? I don't really think that teams will look at him any differently. I think that teams view him as a sixth man or a starting point guard on a bad team. And there's a huge role for that in the NBA. It's a desperate role that needs to be filled. And teams will give assets for that, along with the expiring deal portion of it. And most importantly of all of that, I think that this season should be spent tanking and seeing where Shea is at. Is Shea a point guard? Give him all the point guard minutes. Can he run an offense? Can he be the main ball handler? Can he be the point guard? And then you'll know what to do for the future of your team. Do you want him in that point guard role? Or do you want him as a Swiss Army knife that can play one through three? What would be more valuable to you? And you figure that out by letting Shea be the point guard. I think that the time is right to trade Dennis Schroeder. I think that there are going to be teams that want Dennis. 
which is the most important part. So I understand the points of him being good for young players and him really buying in to the culture trying to be set in Oklahoma City. He's done that since his time started here. But can that value get any higher? Can his value go up? And I just don't think it will. I think his value will never be higher than it is right now. And you've got to strike while the iron's hot. Because not only, again, not only is his value very high, so is that expiring contract. So that's really interesting to me that you brought it to the table. I think that people are either wanting to run this team back or wanting to trade everyone. So to hear somebody who is interested in keeping Dennis himself is interesting to me. It's something that does not get talked about a lot. But for me, I, I'm one of those people that, that does want to kind of get on with this. Rip the Band-Aid off. Let's go. Let's tank. And let's try to see what Shea can be as a point guard. That question was brought to you by Unkind Rain 3498 And the next question we have is from Framus Jenko, who has asked questions before on this podcast. Look good to have you back asking some Reddit questions. They ask, if you were the GM in charge of, of picking at the Thunder spot at 25, what are some realistic picks that you would want the Thunder to go with? And so I'm going to start you off with an interesting one in the sense of maybe this is unrealistic but this is the only one I think is borderline unrealistic. The rest of these guys I think are, are totally going to be there at 25 or close to it. Uh, it it's, it's Tyrell Terry. Tyrell Terry, I've seen him at nine with Kevin O'Connor. I've seen other people that, that maybe haven't updated their draft boards, have him at 30. I've seen him at that 25 spot. I've seen him up and down the boards, and he's kind of elevated as the, as the season gets further and further apart as teams kind of dig into what he did as a freshman at Stanford. He's gotten elevated through this offseason process, but – I really like him as a shooter. I like him with the off-the-ball movement that he has. I like Terry. I think that if you want a guard like Terry Terry next to Shea, they could fit very, very well. And at 25, to get a guy like Terry Terry, which I don't know if he'll be there or not, again, I trust Kevin O'Connor fully with the draft. He, he's, he, is, he is the guy I turn to with draft opinions. I really like what he does covering the draft. He says he has him at nine. So I think that this is probably unrealistic to have him at 25, but I have seen other people rate him lower. And there's always one guy that slips and leaves everyone scratching their head. But I do like Terrell Terry. He has shot up the draft boards in the off season. So I won't spend too much time on that, but Terrell Terry would be a guy I would really look at, but a more realistic guard option for me is Nico Mannion. And Nico Mannion was one of my favorite prospects entering this season. He was one of my favorites, but did not have the season he wanted at Arizona. It's kind of a combo guard. I compare him more to a Seth Curry type role. I think he's an electric shooter that has a good feel for the game. I think that he can he can spot up. He can catch and shoot, in my opinion. He can do a lot of things that you want. And offensively, the most important part to me offensively is that he can running in, in high-paced offenses. He can slow down the tempo, but he's also versatile. He can handle the ball for you. He can play off ball. And I think that that might be the most important aspect to look at it for Shea. Because Shea can handle the ball. Shea can be your point guard. The question is, can Shea be your point guard every single possession? So having a, comp- a complimentary guard like, like Mannion, who can handle the ball whenever Shea's having a better night off ball and can step aside while Shea is having a better night on ball and can be the off-ball option for Shea is very important. I don't think Mannion gets enough credit for what he does as a point guard at Arizona, 
but I think he can be a starting level shooting guard in the NBA for quite some time. And that's what I was talking about with this draft class as a whole. Yes, you're missing out on the explosive talents like Zion, Jaw, Trey, Luca, but you're making up for it with a bunch and a bunch and a bunch of starting to rotational level players in this year's class. I really like Nico Mannion. Shot an EFG, that's effective field goal percentage, at 46%, uh, scoring 14 points per game. At Arizona, I really like what he does as a shooter. He's a try-hard defender. He's not going to lock you down. He's not going to be electric over there. But he's also going to try really hard, give you effort, stay in front, and he won't get picked on too much. Because as we know, defense is mostly effort. He will not make the big play like Lou Dort, but he also will be able to hold his own and not get embarrassed. Because he cares, and he tries. I really like the way he runs the floor on both sides of it, offensive and defense transition. So I like Mannion. To put it into perspective how much I like him, and, and he is a guy that's in that 25 range, if you told me today I could lock myself in the Nico Mannion without knowing who falls in the draft or whatever, I would sign on the dotted line right now. Because I think that Nico Mannion at worst is going to be your sixth man when you want to win a championship. He's that good. At best, he's your starting shooting guard. At worst, he's your sixth man. He's that good to me. I might be overrating him a little bit, but let me know what you guys think about Nico Mannion because I, I really, really like what I've seen from him. I do. I think that uh, he didn't have the season he wanted to at Arizona, but as only a freshman at 19 years old, I just am excited about his NBA future. And I think that he can be a steal of this draft class. The same way you're looking at Tyler Hero right now as a steal, I think Nico Mannion can come in and make a huge impact. I also love Built Bars, and Built Bars are a fantastic protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, get $10 off that first order. Built Bars have six new flavors with a new recipe, new design. Everything is brand new, but they still have those 12 original flavors, which I loved. I love the banana bread flavor. It's fantastic. It's great for the keto diet, low calorie, low sugar, high fiber. It's everything you need in a protein bar, soft and easy to chew. With 100% chocolate on the outside, it is fantastic. It's great for pre-workout, great for post-workout, and even great as a meal replacement. Just grab one of these guys as your breakfast or your lunch, and it's going to fill you up. Trust me. You're going to want some Built Bars. Go to Pillbar.com. Use promo code LOCKDOWN. Get $10 off of that next order. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And so we're back on the Locked On Thunder Podcast and Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LO Thunderpod. So we're going to end the show with two more questions. The first question is a who says no question. This trade is the Sixers getting Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, and DJ Wilson, the Bucks getting Chris Paul, the Thunder getting Al Horford, Robin Lopez, the Sixers 2025 first round pick, 2027 first round pick, and the Bucks 24th overall pick in this year's draft. Uh, the Sixers say no to this. I don't. Outside of moving on from the Al Horford contract, they're not gaining anything, in my opinion. Nice little player in George Hill. Average to below average player in Eric Bledsoe and DJ Wilson. 
for the benefit of moving on from Al Horford's deal with two first-round picks. Look, the Al Horford deal is bad. I'm not sure that they need two first-round picks to move on from it, especially unprotected. I think that they could get Chris Paul for Al Horford, a couple first-round picks, or a first-round pick in Matisse Thibel. They could just do that deal straight up and be done with it. I mean, if you're going to throw in Al Horford and a couple picks for the Sixers, why not just trade for Chris Paul? And if the benefit is not giving up a guy like Matisse Thibel and replacing Chris Paul with Eric Bledsoe, as much as I like Matisse Thibel, I'd rather move on from him and get the upgrade of Chris Paul than Eric Bledsoe. So the other the Sixers say no to this. The Thunder getting three first-round picks for only giving up Chris Paul is pretty good. It's a huge return. And I don't care about the Horford contract because, again, the Thunder are in a position in which they don't care about their cap sheet anymore. This is not the team that's going to worry about the luxury tax anymore because you're going to be clearly under it. You're losing the money of, of Stephen Adams. You're losing the money of Dennis. You're losing the money of Chris Paul. You're losing the money of Andre. You're losing the money. You're, you're losing all of your money, and, you're, and your guys in this roster are Shea, Dort, Baisley, who are rookies, and Dort just got fleeced. I mean, you, you signed him up for nothing. He's playing for peanuts. I don't care about the contracts you take back in Horford and Lopez. The three first-round picks are awesome, but I just don't see the incentive for the Sixers outside of getting off the Horford contract, which I think you could do with those two first-round picks and just get Chris Paul in return and not worry about Bledsoe or Hill. And then the last question comes from Sam the Swindler. What do you think the proposed trade was for Gallo to Miami at the deadline? He throws out there, was it Bayon Bio? Was it, you know, probably not Tyler Hero, but was it Nunn or Robinson? And the picks lifted. Um, you have to forgive me because the trade deadline was a long time ago. So I'm pretty sure that the Heat had the conversations with Gallo first before they went on to Iguodala and gave up Winslow to Memphis. So I think that the trade was looking like salary dumps. So they'd give up a, a Waiters and a Johnson plus Winslow and maybe change the protections a little bit on their pick that the Thunder own for Gallo. That's what I think it was. Obviously, it was the allusion to the Gallo trade at the deadline in which the only thing that fell through was Gallo not signing the extension or Gallo not getting the extension he wanted because the Thunder agreed to trade him Miami agreed to a trade, but they couldn't come to terms with a contract extension for Gallo, and they did not want to do it anymore. So that's what he's alluding to. I do think it would just be just Swinslow and maybe the alterations to the pick. Maybe. That's what I think that the trade was. I don't think it was anything crazy. And the incentive for Sam Presti to do that would be, are you going to get a player better than Justice Winslow if you sign and trade Gallo? Is it really going to be better than Justice Winslow? But I understand why Bry Presti thought about trading him. I'm glad that, that they went ahead and just kept the band together. Let's see what happened. And now we know they lost in a heartbreaking Game 7 to the Rockets. But, yeah, I think that you're right. There was no, probably no Tyler Hero involved. I would say that there's absolutely no way Bam was involved. And you've got to remember, none was playing at a high level back then. I would even take him off the table. I think that Robinson and Winslow were, were, were possibilities. And that's what you're looking at for that possible trade that fell through. Maybe we'll know someday the exact information on that trade. 
But that will do it for this week of Locked On Thunder, the only podcast that happens every single day regarding your Oklahoma City Thunder. So be sure to subscribe and tune in wherever it is you get your podcast from. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. And keep sending in questions, whether it's on that Reddit thread or it's on Twitter or on, or on the voicemail, whatever it is, send in your questions and we'll keep answering them all throughout the offseason. It's going to be a long offseason, but a fun offseason. And we're going to be here for you every single day. Be good and be good to one another. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.